again give you thanks for what you have done for us in the Lord Jesus Christ. And we're coming to give you thanks for the life you intend for us to live. And so we're asking for that work by the Spirit of God to enable us to enter into it for your praise and glory. We come and commit the time to you. Meet us in every way we have need today. And we're trusting you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. When I came to school here, um, this was the classroom. It was about the only building that was actually finished. And there were yellow chairs there that we sat on. And the man who founded the school, Mr. Carroll, was kind of a fireball, I mean, to say the least, all right? And uh, one of his, and again, I, I was not the most upbeat person in the world. I'm still not the most upbeat person in the world, but he would come in and he would uh, get up here, and I can still remember that, and he'd look at it and says, are you rejoicing? You know, and, you know, early in the morning, that was hard for me, <laughs> you know, it's, come on, give me a chance and then he would say this, and this is important uh, for what we're going to talk about today. He says, if not, why not? Right? Whoa, wait a minute. <laughs> I'm still working on that. I'm not rejoicing part. And now you're already rebuking me because he was just telling me the truth that, that it should be so. And then he, would, uh, then he told us about a theologian that he had read. Uh, this is a very well-known theologian of his day who said this about rejoicing. He says, rejoicing is the first thing in the Christian life. Then he goes on to say this, and again, this was the quote as I remembered. I can't find it. But anyway, this was the quote that he gave us. He said, it's not the most important thing, but it is the very first thing to do in the life of faith. It is always the first thing to do. Start off with rejoicing. Now, um, you're helping me this morning. You don't know that you're helping me this morning because I'm, I'm trying to write down... Um, in a book form, what the Lord has taught us here about what it means to live by faith, what I learned from Mr. Carroll about what, what is life faith about, and I'm up to this chapter on rejoicing. Because when we get to this matter of, of the living out of the Christian life, if you're not rejoicing, you're not living it out. If you, if you aren't rejoicing, you are not living the abundant life that God gave to you, so that this is the very first place to start if we're going to live that life of faith, right? And so I'm trying to put that chapter together, so I'm going over it again with you so I can, we can try to get these things sorted out. Now, let me say something that's very important first off, all right? We're going to sort out today the difference between the happiness this world gives or the joy that this world gives, because you could use the same word. We saw that yesterday. The Bible doesn't differentiate those two. And the joy that the Lord gives. What is the difference? Why do theologians or why do preachers particularly want to put them in two different categories? They want to try to separate them. And there's good reason for that. But what is that difference? Right? Now, I would like to use the word happiness just because, you know, I'm being aggravating. You know, you get aggravating and you try to poke at things. And, and, but I'm not going to use happiness. And the reason I'm not going to use happiness, I'm going to stick with joy, is this. There is no verb to be happy, all right? I can't tell you, happy up, or, you know, or uh, I guess you could say cheer up, but you can't use the word happy. You know, joy is rejoicing, right? Okay, rejoice, I can do that. But, so we're going to stick with joy just because it has a verb, all right? And it fits with the Bible a little bit better, all right? Now, we're going to be thinking today about what the difference is. Now, we have to start 
by understanding that everything I'm going to say depends on your relationship with God. All right? I remember I had a cousin who died very early. Um, he was in his 20s when he died. Um, he had a complication from diabetes and um, died suddenly. And I remember at the time I had just come to the Lord, and I, but I went down to his funeral, and I remember his mother, and at the time I didn't know what else to do but just let her go. But he did not know the Lord. And um, she was just saying, well, at least he's in a better place. Well, I, it's not a good time to bring up that maybe that's not true, so I just let it go. You know, it just you know, that would not have been the right way to go about things. But, you see, the world out there has a whole lot of get happy thoughts. You know, let's just be happy. Let's just, isn't it, you know, tomorrow could be better. You know, there's all kinds of things they throw out there. But they're just based on hope-sos. They're not, not reality. What I've got to say about rejoicing all depends on a reality, all right? It depends on a reality. Because Christianity is not, it's not creative. We're not, we're not in that um, postmodern thinking that I can make things happen if I'll just say them enough. No, I have to take hold of what's actually there, all right? First time I flew in a plane, I was, I was in Tallahassee and had to fly to Orlando, Florida. That's where I was living. I was going to... Uh, school at Furman. Anyway, I got to Tallahassee. I was going to fly across. Well, I got in this little plane. First time I've ever been in a plane, I was a little nervous. I don't know why, but I was a little bit nervous. We got up, and the trip between Orlando, Tallahassee and Orlando that night was typical summer in Orlando, Florida. Orlando, Florida has more thunderstorms in a year than anywhere else in the country. I mean, it just thunderstorm, thunder. I lived there for three or four years, and it, it gets old. Right, thunderstorm, thunderstorm. When we were going down there, there was a wall of thunderstorms. You know, the thunder, those thunderheads over here. There was a, and there was a wall of them over here. And we were in a canyon. We were just flying between because you never get very high in this. Uh, I mean, you're only hopping from one place to another. That flight was, you know, we bumped around and, and every time that flight would hit one of those pockets. Where you know, I mean, have you ever been in a plane? All of a sudden, your stomach is right up here. All right. I would grab hold of the armrests and pull with everything I had. You know, come on, get back up there. Ain't that funny? I mean, and here I am. I'm a chemistry major. I've taken physics. I know that if I pull up here, I push down there, and it doesn't come, you know, we're not getting anywhere on this. You know, the, the, the logic of it is completely irrational. However, I was still doing it. The plane got there. It didn't get there because I pulled up on the, you know, I held it up with my, it got there because the plane was quite capable of, the engineering of that plane was enough so they could get from one place to another, and the pilot was capable of getting it there. It had nothing to do with me. All right? Sometimes we think that, see, when we get to this matter of rejoicing, it has really nothing to do with you. All you're going to do is take hold of it. But you have to have it to take hold of it. So I want to say that the very first thing that is behind all this is the fact that you have come to a place where you realize that you're going to put your life into the hands of Jesus Christ. It, it, everything depends on that. Without that, the rest of this doesn't, doesn't apply to you. 
It just doesn't apply. We're trying to sort out what's different. So if, when I come to that place where I put myself in the hands of Jesus Christ, when I say, I'm repenting, I'm, I'm believing you, I'm going to trust you to forgive my sin and deal with me, meet me, save me. Wonderful things happen. All right? Wonderful things happen. All right? um, you may or may not have been aware of all those. You probably weren't aware. In fact, I know you weren't aware if you came. But at that point, here's, here's the first one. This is a theological point. God blessed you with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. You are today complete in Christ. You were complete the moment I was complete the moment I did that. That was over 50 years ago. But I was complete. Everything that God was going to give to me was already given to me. Right? It's already there. Right? I don't have to earn any more. I don't have to get any more. It's kind of like being given a great big house. It's got a thousand rooms in it. It takes a while to get around all those thousand rooms. But they're still there. That my traveling around that, those rooms doesn't create them. It just shows me what's there. And if I find it in the bottom of that thing, there's a bowling alley. The bowling alley, it didn't get there because I got to the room. It was already there. I just didn't know about it, and so I couldn't bowl. All right. See, at that point, you have everything you're ever going to need. Everything. All right? Your life is completely safe for eternity. Okay? Now, that's one side of what happens at that point. Then there's another side of what happens at that point. The other side is that the Spirit of God, now again, this is a little bit, anyway, we'll just say this. The Spirit of God works, begins a work to teach you what you got, right? To show you what you have just been given. Because you don't know. You don't know. And so he's going to show you. How does he show you? All right? Let me see. If it, I'm going to get you to talk today. All right? How does he show you? The Spirit of God is going to teach me what that is. How is he going to teach me? Okay, through his word. That's, it. That's, that's, that's what we heard last night, right? The word of God. It's, it's key. Because it's all written down here, what you need to know about it. But if, if you're like me, when I was converted, I hadn't done a whole lot of work in this. I, there's a whole, there was whole sections I'd never even read. So I didn't know what it said. I didn't understand how it was put together. But I'd come to the Lord, and he gave me this gift. But now the Spirit of God starts to teach me. But he's going to use this word to teach me that. But when he's teaching me from this word, what is he going to be doing? Well, I'll tell you what he's going to be doing. He's going to be showing me what has been given to me in Jesus Christ. Because the totality of your salvation is because of a person that you've come to know. That person is capable of all that you'll ever need in life. Everything. It's all been trusted to you. Okay, now, he shows you that. He's gonna, the Spirit of God is going to take his word, and he shows you what Jesus Christ is, how great he is. But that's not the end of his work. What's the next thing in the work? Students can't tell, all right? Maybe I should let them tell, and then, no, nah, that wouldn't look good, all right? Here's the next thing he's going to do. He's going to say to you, trust him. This is who he is. This is how great he is. Now, you trust him. Does that make sense? That's the rest of my life. That's, that's, that's what's out ahead for you. You're going to find out more and more if you follow the Lord. All right? You, you commit yourself to the Lord. And you, you're led by the Spirit of God. Because those that are led by the Spirit of God, they're the sons of God. What, what's he led? It doesn't mean 
He's not talking about being led into a particular place to do this or to do that. He's going to be led to Jesus. And when you see him for who he is and what he's done, he's then going to say, trust him. Trust him. All right? And what that will do in your life is a lot of like what should have happened. It didn't happen on that little short flight. But I've done a lot of flights since then. I don't pull up on the handles or the armrests anymore. Why? Because I've come to the place to realize, that okay, it's going to make it. We're going to get bumped around on the way. But this is part of the, pl- the plan. And I come to rest in it, right? Because now I trust the pilot. You know, <laughs> Now I trust the plane. Now again, planes and pilots are not particularly, are not completely trustworthy. <gasps> But I've come to where I can rest on an airplane and make it to the other end, although I've been through some really wild experiences on planes. Right? But you come to that. Right? So everything we're going to talk about today has to do with being in a place where the Spirit of God can say to you, this is true. This is true. This is true. And then as he says that's true, he's going to ask you to rest in it. Right? Rest in it. Settle your weight on that. Now, that brings us back to what's, you know, where's rejoicing come in there? Let me go through some vocabulary about rejoicing, just so we can get some of the other things that are in the New Testament that are related to this subject, which are not particularly obvious that they're related, right? Joy is what? What we say yesterday. That's the inward attitude, right? That's a sense that I have. It's, that's something that it happens in here. All right. I don't know whether you're joyful this morning or not. All right. That, you know, and you can't tell from faces. Let me just say that. People say, oh, you can look on their face and see they're not joyous. Well, unless they're making really bad, you know, things. You don't know. Some people, they, they're just happy as they can be. They're happy. This is all the better you're going to get. All right. Then there's others that if they're not happy, or but that's just difference in personalities. All right, so you can't tell. I can't tell whether you're happy today. That's inward. But I can see whether you're rejoicing. Because rejoicing is what I do when I express that joy. Right? When I express that joy. Okay? I, I do something about it. Um, at one point, uh, Lord speaking about persecution says, when you're persecuted, here's what to do. He says, Be glad. I want that. Be glad. That's the inward. That's the, that's the equivalent of joy. Have joy. And he says, and then do what? Does anybody remember what it says? Leap for joy. How about that? There's a great response to persecution. Leap for joy. Don't let it bother you. Why? Because he says, your reward in heaven is enormous. So don't worry about this. All right? Anyway, back to our point. Uh, that's the rejoicing part. There is a third part that should be noted here, and that is to exalt. Sometimes it says we exalt. Um, Being justified by faith, Paul says in chapter 5 of the book of Romans, being justified by faith, we have peace with God. All right? And it goes on to say that, and we exalt in the hope of the glory of God. He uses the word to exalt. Exalting is different than rejoicing. Exalting is actually a word that means to, to boast about something, right? To boast. Let him who 
glory is glory in this that he knows and understands God. To boast is when I say what I am rejoicing in and I'm taking hold of it. All right. So that, again, let's go back to our game illustration. Well, let me get the last one out here. All right, the last one is encouraging. Encouraging is when I, t- when I take the rejoicing and try to get you to rejoice too. All right? Lexi helps it out with that last night. So I'm going I'm to appeal to what she had to say because she was encouraging you. To do what? To rejoice out of the joy of what she's had. Okay, go back to our, our game illustration. When the Pirates won that game, I was happy. I expressed that in rejoicing by jumping up and down and, and cheering with a 10-year-old kid does, you know. All right. And then I exalted. And what was that? We beat the Yankees. And the Yankees were really good. All right. The Yankees. We are really good. You see, when I'm saying we're really good, I'm exalting. Does that make sense? Then now, um, there's no encouragement aspect because there's nothing you can do about all that. And except I could encourage you to say, you should be a Pirate fan, which would probably have been a bad idea because the Yankees are still going to be good the next year and the Pirates weren't. So anyway, uh, so uh, it, it runs out there. Now, let's listen to some of joy that's in the heart, okay? An example of rejoicing, um, Paul does rejoice at times, but he also exalts, right? See, when Paul says... Um, I know the secret of being content. And here's the secret of being content. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. What's he doing? He's exalting. He's boasting. He's not boasting in himself, right? See, if you're boasting in yourself, that's bad. That's pride. But when I boast about what Jesus can be to me, then I am I'm exalting. And we're exal- we are encouraged to do that. See, when the, the Old Testament, it's not in encouraging the Lord but it, or exalting in the Lord. When he says this, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Now, we think of that, well, that's just an act of faith. That is a, a boast, right? I'm not going to want. It's not going to happen. Even if I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'm not going to be afraid. It's not going to happen. Why? Because you're with me. All right? He's both. He's, he's exalting there. All right? Now, Paul also does something else. In the first chapter of the book of Ephesians, he encourages by taking the same truths about what he's exalting in and rejoicing in and telling you it's so, so you will do it. Now, encouragement, that's as far as I can go because I can't make you rejoice. I can only tell you why you should, right? Does that make sense? So he says what? Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ, just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the earth. We should be holy and blameless before him. Now, he's telling you that. Why is he telling you that? Now, he's also exalting in what he knows is true. But he's telling you that because part of our responsibility in the church is to help everybody else rejoice. Right? Part of my job is to rejoice myself because if I'm not going to do it, then it, it kind of drops the ball, doesn't it? And if I try to encourage you to rejoice while I am not doing it, this comes real flat. You know, that falls on the ground. 
But if I've seen the Lord high and lifted up and he's met me, and I, I encourage you, that's what testimony is all about. It, it's, it's telling each other. And that's what we heard last night, right? You know what Lexi was doing? She told you about what she had learned that caused her to rejoice. She had learned that Jesus loved her in a certain way. And as the Spirit of God wrote that into her heart, it changed it. And then she told you why you should do it. At least that's the way I understood that, because you went through a whole list of things. All right, does that make sense? All right, now, so you got those words. So those are just different things. Because rejoicing is it's key to the whole Christian life. And it is the first thing in the life of faith. If you don't do that, I don't think you're going to do the rest of the things in the life of faith. As we talk about trusting the Lord to overcome sin, we talk about trusting Him to overcome fear. You got, the first thing you've got to do is get the Lord high and lifted up right in front of you, right? I have set the Lord. That's what the psalmist said. I have set the Lord always in front of me, all right? I've always set Him in front of me. Now, remember yesterday we were talking about that verse in Matthew it says this, don't lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust corrupt and thieves break through and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures where? In heaven, where that can't happen. But then he goes on to say this, for where your treasure is, what's going to happen there? That's where your heart's going to be. Your heart's going to be where your treasure is. All right. Now, when we think of that word heart, all right, everybody, you know, I heart you. All right, anyway, yeah, heart, heart, heart. It all has to do with how we feel about it, but actually that's not what is the key point there. Your mind, see, your heart to the, in the biblical sense is not just how you feel inwardly. All right, we, we make that distinction in, you know, heart and head and, and all the rest. And I know what they're getting at at that, heart and head, but biblically your heart, how you feel, and your mind, how you think, are the same. And your mind is the big part because where your mind goes is where everything else goes, right? Your mind is key here. And so what he says is this, um, because wherever you have placed your treasure, your mind will go there, all right? So that people who have put their treasure in the stock market are going to do what? They're going to think about it. How are they going to think about it? They're going to get up every morning and look at that. Well, I don't know how it's done these days. Get their phone and look and see how their stocks are doing, right? And they're, they're going to, whoa, we're up today. Whoa, we're down today. And because their mind is going to go there, all right? Now, let's see. Uh, everybody here knows about falling in love, so let's go to falling in love, all right? If a person becomes your treasure... What happens? Do, 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 do. Now, I remember this from grade, this is not grade school. This was in junior high school, so I'm going to see everybody will shoot higher than you, you know, way back in junior high school when I was there, and it was a long time ago. And you would see people's notebooks and doodled all over that notebook was Frankie, <laughs> Alice. Alice did so many different words. And hearts. I mean, this was, I mean, it happened. I don't know. I know that might be corny and it doesn't happen anymore, but I think it still happens somehow. All right. I don't know how you do it. Why is that happening? Because that person has become a treasure to them. It's something that they're looking, they're, they're, 
They're getting a satisfaction. They're getting happiness from thinking. And where does that, what does that mean? It means their mind goes a particular direction. Where your treasure is, your heart's going to go. Right? The two. So that, again, you can, you can tell when you, when you were working out yesterday, that list of where, what would it take to make you happy, that's where your mind is going to be going. Right? You're going to be thinking about that. If you're going to try to be happy in relationships, then you're going to think about relationships. If you're going to be happy in your career, you're going to think about your career. If you're going to be thinking, whatever it is, that's where your mind's going to go. That's very important, the idea of rejoicing. Why? Because if I make the Lord my treasure, where's my mind go? It goes to Him. It just goes there. And it will. And the Spirit of God is trying to do that in your life. Right? The Spirit of God's right here. See, if I'm, going to ha- if I'm going to do my part in you being blessed, I have to tell you what the Spirit of God's going to tell you. And He's going to tell you Jesus Christ is great. And He's going to be putting pressure on your heart to see that and then to embrace it and to make that your treasure. All right? Okay. Now, that gets us down to this idea of rejoicing. Now, when you had that list... <clears throat> And you put it down there. Again, trying to be honest, we're, we're honest about where it is that we're looking for happiness. Um, when we want to sort out what's the difference between that kind of happiness that we seek and what the Bible offers, here's the first point you should have noted in there. Most people's list of what will make them happy puts things down which are out of their control. That's why life is so nervous, nerve-wracking. It's out of your control, all right? Because a whole lot of those people, I mean, this was, this was way back, who are writing down this name, the person whose name they were writing down wasn't writing down their name. That happens. I mean, I don't know if that still happens, but it used to happen. That um, so-and-so falls in love with so-and-so, but so-and-so falls in love with somebody. It's, you know, it's an endless... Junior high school was really rough. I just, I'm just, I'm so glad that I get... It was, it's called middle school now, but it was rough. <laughs> you know, and all these things are happening, but nobody's happy because nobody... Well, a few connect, but not very often, all right? And then, if it does connect, what's the problem with it? Well, Pete comes along, and Pete's bigger than I am, and smarter than I am, and better looking than I am, and Pete wins the heart. You see, I can't hold on to that heart, right? You can't hold on to a relationship, right? And, uh, and the Lord, he, he wants you to get hold of this. And, and I know when we get to this, we have to talk about death, and I'm going to have to put it in there because... Death is part of this world, which God, the Lord speaks a lot about it because it's a reality that you've got to get hold of and you have, to, you have to make adjustment to because it's out there. He talks about a man who, whose plan, here's his plan for happiness. I'm going to put up enough so I can retire. <laughs> right? There's a, there are people out there. That's goal. Retire by the time I'm 50 you know, or 30 or whatever, and I'm going to have enough there so I don't have to work anymore. The guy made it. All right? He made it. He got everything in place so he could retire. And you know what happened at his retirement party? This is what the Lord said. He died. He died at the retirement party. 
You know, my soul, take your ease. You've got stuff stacked up for years. The only problem was that there weren't years. See, death is this messy thing because you can't, anything which depends on you continuing to live is a little bit uncertain. So that if I'm going to experience real joy, it can't be connected to anything on this earth. I can't control the the politics of this nation. I can't control the economy of this nation. My parents, my dad did not decide that he wanted to be born in such a time so that when World War II came, he could be a soldier. He never became a soldier, but as it, you know, that, that generation, they didn't decide that, it came to them. Things come to you, right? You don't control your health. You don't control your health. Okay. You can look like everything's going great, and it's not going so great. (laughs) And suddenly it's there. The health isn't there. You can't control relationships. People can have really wonderful marriages, deep relationships. But you can't guarantee it's going to continue. We have all seen that, right? Here's a deep relationship. There's nothing wrong with a relationship except one of them dies. And if your happiness is tied to this, you're, you're in trouble. Now, all the things that have to do with happiness, and this is where the preachers start to, to sort it out, anybody can experience. Anybody can experience elation on certain levels. Only Christians can experience a certain kind of joy. Why? Here's the, here's the great thing about the Christian joy. It is based on on a relationship which nothing can touch. Nothing can touch it. Nothing can touch it. It is based on things which are realities, but they are realities which will never vary. All right? Just, let's get a couple of them. This is the reason why you should rejoice. Because remember, rejoicing always has to do with... it has. It's, it's involved with something which means something to you, which, which gives you a reason to be elated in some sense. Here's something. When you came to Jesus Christ and put yourself in his hands, are you safe there? Yes, you are. Because he says in, in Matthew, just, just, or not Matthew, in John chapter 10, as he speaks about the good shepherd, he says, all that the Father gives to me, I'll, I'll keep. And I'm going to give to them eternal life. And then he says this. This is one of my favorite verses. And no one will snatch them out of my hand. I have them in my hand. And nobody can do anything about that. Isn't that wonderful? I can't guarantee what's going to happen on earth. I don't know. I mean, I've had a very good life. I have had an easy life. I think about some of the saints and what they've gone through, and I'm going like, Lord, I'm embarrassed with the ease with which I've had to live. But I could lose all that, but nobody can touch. They could throw me in jail, right? They threw Paul in jail, but they couldn't snatch him out of Jesus' hand. They could put him to death, and they did, but they can't snatch him out of Jesus' hand. See, no matter what he faced... He knows that that's secure. Now, that's not the only reason you rejoice. I mean, just get, we're going to get back to it. But when we get to this matter of rejoicing, we have to also face this. That the, the concept of rejoicing is always placed, or almost always placed, 
in the context of trouble. How about that? In the Bible, it's almost always associated with what we would call trouble. There's a place in Thessalonians where it says, Rejoice, always pray without ceasing, everything give thanks. And in that context, there's nothing that says anything about problems. So I, I will say it's not always that way, but what did we see just earlier? When you are experiencing persecution, who wants to be persecuted? And by volunteering, I'm not volunteering. We are social beings. To be rejected by other human beings is painful. If it's not painful to you, there's something. Anyway, we'll just leave that. All right. But no, it's, it, there's a pain in not having people like you. He says, okay, when that happens, here's what to do. What? Rejoice or be glad and leap for joy. Why? Because certain things are taking place. The most, probably most famous verse on rejoicing is rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. That's in chapter four of the book of Philippians. Earlier he had said it once, but in chapter four, he says this, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Who knows the next line? Let all men know your forbearance. (laughs) Do you know what forbearance is? Putting up with irritating people. All right? The roommate that won't clean out the sink. I wish you wouldn't spit in the sink and leave the spittle there. All right? Clean it up! All right? Um, Anyway, whatever is it irritates you. I don't know what irritates you. You know, but... We're all very irritating people, right? He says, it's in light of that. Rejoice in the Lord always. Let all men know your forbearance. Everybody put up with them. You know, let them, let them. And then what else does he say? He goes on, after he says the Lord's at hand, he says this. Don't be anxious. Don't be worried about anything. Why would you be worried? Anybody want to give illustrations? <laughs> we don't have time for illustrations more, do we? There's, there's all kinds of reasons to be worried, right? He says, don't be worried. You see, the the rejoicing is in light of the fact that you're facing real problems. Count it all joy, he says, when you fall into all kinds of problems. (laughs) Count it all joy. When Paul says that, you remember we've talked about before, uh, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. And we exalt in the hope of the glory of God. You know what he says next? And we exalt also in... Trials, tribulations, knowing, and he goes on to say what you know. See, immediately he goes for this exalting, just here it is, to over here, because the truth of the matter is, life is difficult. Bad news. (laughs) Why did I come here? (laughs) Because it is. No, you didn't come here because it is. You came here uh, to hear about the Lord. And really, the whole force of rejoicing would, um, you want to get it in a simple form? Here it is, the last verse of the Lord's discussion with his disciples. This is in John chapters 14, 15, and 16. The last verse of that, as Jesus is getting ready to pray for them, he says this, In this world, you will have tribulation. (laughs) How about that? After all this encouragement, in this world, you're going to have tribulation. I like John Stott's translation of that. Cheer up. 
I've overcome the world. That's, that's the Christian life. You're going to have tribulation, but cheer up. I've overcome this world. The world does not have the last say. The world is not your final experience. It is not your final set of circumstances. Now, that's where rejoicing comes in, and I want to think about that for just a moment because, again, we've got to go quickly. Anytime you have a chance to rejoice, you have a chance to pout. What do you want to put it? What word would you like? All right, whatever. Because at the time you're persecuted, you could say, I don't like getting beat up. I just can't stand the fact that people don't like me. You can stay over here, or you can go over here. And if there's something else that should come up in this, when it's time to rejoice, you're already having another emotional experience. Right? Paul had said one time, because sometimes we think of rejoicing, you know, somebody's child just died, and you say, well, it's time to rejoice. It's kind of not the way to put it, all right? Because if, if that child's dead, then they're going to have sorrow. But Paul says this about rejoicing. Here's the, here's the issue. As sorrowful, yet always rejoicing. Rejoicing doesn't take away this pain. Let me just say that. It doesn't. It just overrides it in the sense that it makes it puts this pain in its place. Paul says it this way in the book of Romans. He says, I am convinced that the sufferings of this life are not worthy to be compared to the glory that's to follow. Right? He went through suffering. Believe me, the man went through sufferings. We would write a book about any one of them. And he went through this over and over again. And at times he says, man, the Lord was good to me in saving this man from death so I didn't have one more sorrow on top of the other sorrows as he was just facing. He said at one point, we were in a difficult situation where we despaired even of life. We just didn't want to go on because it was the pressure was so high. So he's, he's not ignoring this. This isn't to say that this doesn't count. It's to say that there is an override. That's not where he finished. That's not where he finished. The call to rejoice is to finish somewhere else. Right? And where do you finish? You finish with who the Lord is and what he is to you. To rejoice in the Lord isn't just to be happy. It's to look at the reality. You're already looking at some reality over here. If it was persecuted, you say you, there's somebody who doesn't like you. But here's another reality. What's another reality? You tell me, what's another reality? That would, would cause you to rejoice when this is happening over here. I mean, you can put out lots of different ones. Okay, the Lord's on his throne. He's in control of all this. There's one. That's a reality. Because he's on his throne, he is in control of your life. How about that? He's in control of your life. He's in control of my life. He's in control of everything. It doesn't look like it, but he's in control, right? Now, that's where the matter of faith comes in. And the Spirit of God's going to tell you about that. He's going to tell you about this control. And he's going to ask you to do what? Trust him. Trust him. That's what pressure he's always putting on you. You're going to make a choice. You're going to let this be your final thought, or you're going to let this be your final thought. Does that make sense? That's what rejoicing is all about. 
That's what Mr. Gale would always say. If not, why not? Because this is still true. <laughs> so whatever you're not, whatever's getting you the pouts over here, this is still true. Let me just uh, go a few. And again, we could go on and on, so I'm not going to try to fill out because we're going to run out of time here. I can't fill out why you should rejoice. When we rejoice in the Lord, it, you just got to find it out. That's what the Spirit of God's going to be telling you, how, how much the Lord is to you, right? Ever feel really lonely? Do you ever feel like you're just on your own and you're out there and you don't have any? Well, here's, that, that's a feeling you can get sometimes. Man, phew, I am really, I'm, I'm hung out to dry here. Now, here's one that's important to me, right? What am I going to, how, how can you rejoice in the Lord here? The Lord said to me, I will never leave you and I will never let you down. I'll never leave you and I'll never forsake you. Because you came and entrusted your life to Jesus Christ, he then undertakes, and there will never be a moment that takes place when he is not immediately present. I am never alone. Paul, Paul rejoiced in that when he, he got to that place where he had to go to trial. And he says this, when I went, and this is a paraphrase of it, when I went to trial before Caesar, nobody came. The great Roman church, nobody showed up. Nobody stood with me. And you know that next line? Nevertheless, that's we're not going to get there. Nevertheless, the Lord stood with me. The Lord stood with me. Now, does that mean that he felt or he had a manifestation of the Lord? I don't know. But it doesn't matter whether he had a manifestation. Paul had a life of faith. He lived by faith in the Son of God who loved him and gave himself for him. And he, if the Lord said that he will never leave me or forsake me, then when... When he's facing Caesar, the Lord is there, right? Because that's what the Lord said. And he has a choice there to be upset with the people who aren't there or to be rejoicing in the person who is there. And he says, I rejoiced in that, or I I, I took hold of that, and he enabled me to say what I needed to say to Caesar himself. How about that? That'll be another one, right? Circumstances don't look like they're they're falling together right. here's, Here's the one. Rejoice in the Lord, what? Because of who I am in Jesus Christ, how about this? Every circumstance of my life is working towards a good end. That's Romans eight twenty eight. Nobody, it's one that people hate when they're in trouble, right? Don't ever tell anybody that when they're in trouble because they don't like it, right? It's all working together for good, right? Did you ever have a really bad disappointment? Did you ever have a circumstance where you are so confused? All right, so confused. You never thought this could happen. All right? And it did happen. All right? And, and you don't even know what's going on. This, this can't be. What do you have to remember? The whole thing is working together for good. Now, you could remember also that he's in complete control. Sometimes it doesn't look like he's in control, right? But you're going to rejoice. See, this is the first act of faith in the Christian life. I either choose this set of circumstances and say, I'm going to wallow in those, or I'm going to move over here. I'm going to move over to what's real. Now, if you do that, the Spirit of God will strengthen you in that direction. This is where the Christian joy becomes different than the happiness of this earth, because you've got the Spirit of God in you saying amen to that, and he's... he's He's empowering. The fruit of the Spirit is love and joy. It comes there not just because you take your stand here, but because the Spirit of God puts into you, He he will cause this to take hold in your life, and you will be strengthened, and it becomes an undergirding 
sense. And this has to be there. The joy has to be there if you're going to live the Christian life because you're going to have problems. I'm just telling you that it's going to start about, well, it's probably started already. All right? It started for me because I only have five minutes to finish all this. All right? But, but you, it, it, problems are going to be out there. But the Lord's there. Now, who is the Lord to you? He's the one that, again, think about this. You feeling trouble today? How about this? The Lord promised that he is going to pray. That's what the Word of God says. He is always living to pray for you. How about this? You feel very important? No. You might think I'm, I'm the most unimportant person on the earth. But when you came and put your life into Jesus' hands, you became supremely important to him. And from that point on, right now, in heaven, Jesus is praying for you. Now, you can rejoice in that. That's rejoicing in the Lord because that's what he's doing. All right? Now, if you stay over here, he's still doing that. You're just not in joy, right? You're just not going to experience Does that make sense? To rejoice in the Lord is not just to try to stir up happiness. It's to remember who he is and allow that truth concerning what he's doing on your behalf to cause you to be exalted. That's what, how you get happiness, right? You get happiness by going to a place or getting something which makes you feel better. That should make you feel better. The Lord's on his throne. He who began the good work is going to finish it to the end. Nothing can separate you from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus. You're ready for that day. We talked about it yesterday. You are ready for that day. If you put your hands, life in God's hands, you're ready for that day. And because of all that, you are now delivered from the terrible bondage which death holds over the human race because that uncertainty of death just keeps people tied up in their souls. A Christian has joy because he's released from all that because Jesus Christ is the resurrection and the life. He actually came out of the grave. They, they saw him. I mean, it, that's, that's a reality. And he says, because I rise, you'll rise. He's just not, this isn't just a philosophy out here. He did it on my behalf. I can rejoice that no matter when it happens, and it, it will happen at some point, unless he comes, it will happen, and I will have my last breath. It's no problem, because when I get to that point, what does it say in the word of God will happen? He will receive me with exceeding joy. Now unto him who is able to keep you from falling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with what? Exceeding joy. That if you belong to Jesus Christ, that that moment that you see him will be a moment of exceeding joy. He'll be happy to have you home. That should make you rejoice. Okay, now, I'm going to stop there. I'm not finished but I'm going to stop that. That was supposed to be 10 minutes ago. How can we promote this, this rejoicing? How does this actually come to pass? What do you have to do in order to get there? All right. Make a couple just real practical suggestions. Which we're... Number one, if the Spirit of God wants to tell you how great Jesus Christ is, how will he do that? He'll use the Word of God. Here's a big hint. If you stay in the Word of God, you're going to be able to figure out who he is. That's why we study the word of God. That's why it should be a delight to your heart, not because there's rules in it. What makes you a delight in the word of God? Once you find out, you find out this is telling me about who he is. 
This is going to reveal to me what are those spiritual blessings with which he has blessed me. And as I look at that, and the Spirit of God shows them to me, I can exercise faith in them. That's one thing. I would say second thing. You can develop a life of worship. And I want to just say this, this is real important. Thanksgiving work. Take time every day to stop and think about what you know Jesus Christ is and to think on. Because you got all day long you're getting this flood of, of things that, you know, bad things. You're going to have to have your mind sitting there. Now, if you have this heart, if you've made you, him your treasure, your mind is going to go that way. You're going to start to live looking unto Jesus. Right? Does that make sense? It all fits together, doesn't it? I'll look unto Jesus. But what am I going to see there? In worship, I put it before me long enough. That's what he was talking about. You can also say meditation. I put it in front of me. I've set the Lord always in front of me. What I read in the Word, now I'm going to put in front of me so I can think about it. That's the second thing. Third thing I would say is this. You should stick with the brethren because one of our jobs is to help each other out on this, right? Two-fold cord is better than a one-fold cord, right? <laughs> a single cord. So it says three-fold cord is hard to break a three-fold cord. Three. You see, one of my jobs is not only to rejoice but to tell you how great the Lord that I've proved is. And if I am having a down, I could go to a a gathering of other brothers and they can tell me and remind me of who he is. The value of being with other people who love the Lord is enormous. I am very grateful. I've said this over and over again, but I am very grateful that the woman that I married loved the Lord. And in tough moments, because you sometimes have the evil day, I mean, when it seems like the whole world is coming in at you. Here's one of the, it's just one of the I mean, testimony of the Lord, how great he can be. We always, we, we went back and forth. She had down times and I had down times, but we never had down times together. She was always there when I was down to hold, to remind me that the Lord's great. I had the responsibility at times to remind her, Lord's great. We can trust him in the future just like we trust him in the past. But you see, if, if I'd have been on my own completely, I'm not so sure I would have had quite as good an experience there. Does that make sense? If you want to do this, you have to be associated with others. And then I want to say this. Last one. This finish one. Rejoicing is a verbal thing. Joy is in here. Rejoicing is something, it's, it's put in the idea of express it why i like again i like to start the day i mean we have it you can get it here with a with a statement of faith and i say it out loud start off i believe in the name of the son of god therefore i am in him having redemption by his blood and life by his spirit and he is in me. It's just a statement of the things that the Bible tells you about that. He's in me. And all fullness, the fullness of Jesus Christ is in him, and he's in me. That's a good way to start the day. But it's better to start not just reading it. It is better to say it. Rejoice with your voice. That's why we sing, right? We sing because together we can rejoice with our voice. But then, of course, you can sing 10,000 reasons and not have any right, in your own heart, right? 
but we sing because we want to we want to say it. So I would encourage you not only to to think about what the Lord's done for you, but to say it. Because in that it's remember when, when we come to the Lord it says that. But this is the way a person comes, that if we confess with our mouth, that's, that's to say something, Jesus is Lord, and believe in our heart that he's raised, God's raised him from the dead, we're going to be saved. But we have to. You have to say it. I want to say there's, there's a great benefit to that in your, in your life. God intends for you to have joy. That joy is based on something which is to your benefit. What is to your benefit? Your Position in Jesus Christ. Rejoicing in the Lord is taking hold of what he has said is true and moving your faith to that and away from whatever the circumstances are. Do it consistently and your life becomes a steady stream of happiness. Nothing else can do that. What are you doing today? What's on that list? Look at it again. And ask yourself, ask the Lord to bring you into an understanding, to do that work, to show you the Lord high and lift it up. Okay, let's pray. Father, we come before you and we ask you to take hold of us for your glory. Father, we come in a, we're conscious of being in a heavy day, a day of anger and frustration and division and uncertainty. But we come in and thank you for the fact that we are in Christ. Pray for each person here that you would meet us so that no one will be left outside of that. Each one will commit. And then you will guide us by your spirit. We thank you for all that you will show us of who you are and strengthen us to trust you for. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.